Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace recently launched the latest version of their platform, Squarespace 7, which has a completely redesigned interface, integrations with Getty Images and Google Apps, 15 new templates, and an incredible feature called Cover Pages. Try the new Squarespace with a free trial at squarespace.com and enter offer code RIOT at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace. Start here. Go anywhere. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 89. We're recording on Friday, January 16th. I'm Rebecca Shinsky. I'm here with Jeff O'Neill, and we are coming to you from bookriot.com. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm okay. We've had a bit of a trying week, you know, both of us, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just a couple, nothing bad, really, just a lot going on. And it's a Friday and it's cold and uh, we're we're trying to, we're trying to keep it together here, but I'm glad to be on a Friday. This is a good way to put a little cherry on the week. Coffee's flowing. Uh, Yeah. So we've got follow-up to do. Um, we do. It, it, I know everyone's going to be shocked that there, <laughs> there's follow-up to the Facebook Zuckerberg. It's not a Facebook book club. I guess I need to be clear about that. It's a the Mark Zuckerberg Zuckerberg's book club. Book club. Um, so that's one where, you know, we're going to start sort of uh, pay attention to this. But um, well, and the people were fairly warned. We warned the people last week that we would talk yes. about Zuckerberg's book club probably throughout the whole year as there is news. Mm-hmm. And there is news now. Yeah, so I'll, the, the, I just dropped a little. There was the publisher did some stats, and we talked about the early moving up of lists and things like that um, on Amazon. That uh, the end of power, I believe, is the, the mm-hmm. name of the book. Got and the publisher came out and said they actually have data, and in the few days after, had sold thirteen thousand copies of the book. So that's not even an order of magnitude. Less. I mean, it's more than a order order of magnitude less than what Oprah was moving at her prime, and maybe mm-hmm. even moves now. Though I went back and looked for like what current circulation bump according to Oprah's 2.0 book club does, and I, I wasn't able to find anything. It's all old stuff. So I still, I don't think it's in that million range that we talked about last night. Currently, mm-hmm. I think that's what it once was, ah. uh, but I'm sure it still does more than thirteen thousand. So not quite the bump you would think. Maybe yeah. as this thing gets moving and mm-hmm. whatever. But it was, you know. It moved the book from the rank of 45,140th up to being Amazon's top 10, which is an interesting thing to know about how Amazon's algorithms and ranking Mm -hmm. work. I mean, 13,000 is still a really good week, especially for for a not new book. Um, The Oprah comparisons, I think, were inevitable, but also not... Premature and unfair. Yes, and not entirely accurate. I'm not sure that Zuckerberg is trying to do the same thing that Oprah was trying to do. And Oprah was picking, you know, I think intentionally picking books with uh, that were maybe under-recognized before she started talking about them, but that would have wide appeal. And Zuckerberg's target audience is different than Mm -hmm. sort of the every man and woman that Oprah... Well, and this is really just tossed off as far as I can tell. Like, you know, it's something you could do in 10 minutes. Like Oprah was producing shows and the author was on there. Like this is Zuckerberg like, I guess I'll start a page. Yeah, like and I'll put putting, two posts right here, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, we know how surprise projects begin on the internet, where you're like, you know, it's like one in the morning, you're like, uh-huh. I'm going to do this thing and start a Tumblr for it, and maybe I'll tell a few people. Yes. And the Zuckerberg Book Club feels kind of like that, exactly what you're saying, of like, I'm going to read some books, and mm-hmm. I guess I'll make a Facebook page for it, and we'll see what happens. And that's just what happens when you have 30 million followers on right. Facebook. You, just, you can just, like, magically and, make a half million likes appear. Yeah, and the... Uh, Interesting part of the follow-up is they, you know, he's doing one book every two weeks, which is a pretty fast reading pace for the average American mm-hmm. who reads books. Like reading ten books a year or more is considered to be uh, like a heavy active reader in most surveys of the general population. So twenty-four to plan for twenty-four books in a year—that's a pretty speedy pace. And so they planned a Facebook uh, Q and A earlier this week with the author and like. 
basically nobody showed up for it. Yep. And 56 the, comments. And the Facebook page for uh the for the discussion as we were looking at it last week it really is just like there's one thread that's mm -hmm. open it's a they put a post up on the year in books page of like hey now talk about this book and it's just one long thread of comments mixed in with it, it's the mixture of like all the weird behaviors people do on facebook and all the weird behaviors people do in the bookish internet of like let me pitch you my book let me complain about mm -hmm. amazon let me complain about how much books cost um stuff that's completely irrelevant to the conversation. So Zuckerberg is really getting to see, you know, the upside of the tool that he's created, which is that you can effectively make a book club that you invite 30 million people to, but also the downside of when you invite the internet, what you get is the internet. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, also last time I remember when we um, uh, were talking about it, how many likes it had, it had 225 and change. Mm -hmm. And we were like, you know, what's it going to do? And over the last week, it's only added 25,000 likes, which oh, for, you know, a mortal website, like if we if we did 25,000 new likes in a week, we'd be, I mean, it wouldn't be a game changer. We'd be like, geez, that's a great week. Yeah, we'd feel like wizards that yeah, week. Um, but it also hasn't been where it doubled in a week, you know, right. it's, you know, for something that's actually pretty new. Um, so I think I'm going to downgrade DEFCON Zuckerberg <laughs> from like two to like three. Cause remember okay. DEFCON one is when you're at war. Right. So that's the, that's the highest DEFCON level, even though they named it, you know, whatever. What, why do why we, are we, we <laughs> how did we get here? I'm just saying it's, it's counterintuitive. <laughs> I think that DEFCON one is the highest level. We're just downgrading. But yeah. So I'm like, you know, it's a three or a four. It's not even, I started out at a two. Yeah. It's. But now I'm saying three and a half. The sales for the second, third, and fourth selections are going to be really telling, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I expect to see about the same kind of response and behavior on the, the Facebook page. Because Facebook is consistent that way. And the way people use Facebook is pretty consistent. But, you know, I wonder if he'll actually stick it out. Like, if he gets to the end of March... And the sales for each selection are slowly declining and the participation is not really yeah. there. If or you're Mark if it's Zuckerberg crap participation. Yeah, yeah. Do you leave the thing up and just like soldier on because you said you were gonna do it mm. for a year and do it and just let it look as as like sad as it is, or <laughs> do you pull the plug on it? Like I mean, I think both of us would pull the plug where we have the tendency yeah, to or try to find some yeah, mechanism to, to make it not as to make crappy. it work better. But um, I'm, I'm really interested in whether he'll acknowledge it if it doesn't go well. Yeah, yeah, that that is interesting. So that's that's um, that's something we're going to watch. And in a week, I, I feel like my interest in it has changed remarkably just mm -hmm. from what we've seen so far. All right, let's do our first sponsor. Squarespace is back. Uh, Squarespace, the all-in-one platform makes it easy to design a beautiful, interactive, responsive website. We all know. Well, no, we may not all know. If you're my age or you know, Rebecca, who is about 25 years younger than I am, <laughs> uh, and you've been, but you've been on the internet for a while, you know how hard it used to be to build a website that looks great, uh, that's easy to update, and that people can use on whatever device or browser they're trying to use. It used to be so hard just to get simple things like, you know, photos to align, or for your your, your spacing in your body of your blog post to look right, or to find a good font that you like. And that's what really Squarespace is trying to make easy, and they do make easy, where you can, if someone without much, if any, technical knowledge whatsoever can go in and play with their design. What you see is what you get design tools where you can see your website change as you're making changes to it. You can drag things around, move sliders left and right. So it's very intuitive way, uh, hands-on way to make a website good. I was, you know, as I do when I have an idea for something, I wanted to, like, see what it would look like as a website. And I signed up for a, just a new trial account with Squarespace. You don't have to enter a credit card. You get two weeks and you can play with the tools. And I kind of use it kind of as a design space because I don't have a native like website builder I can just go into. So I use Squarespace's design template layout builder just to give myself some ideas of what something might look like. So some of it might be, you don't even have an idea for what your website should look like, but you go and pick out, they've got a bunch of ready-made templates that look great out of the box, but then you can customize them yourself. You don't want it to be brown. You want it to be gray. You want a slightly different font. You want the pieces on the screen. Uh, maybe you want the blog roll here and a gallery here, or 
different kinds of pages internally, you can change the hierarchy. Maybe let's say you have a, a store of some kind and you want to have a blog and a gallery and a contact, contact us. You can decide which of those things you want it to be when um, you, you land on Jeff's, uh, Jeff's burrito uh, emporium.net. You know, I want to go to do there. Do you want the blog to be the homepage? Do you want it to be the gallery to be the thing that's there? Or And you can change it. So you don't like what results you're getting or what people are asking you. You can switch it from the blog to the contact page. And that's one thing that's really nice is you can, you can change the hierarchy and experiment with different uh, layouts and structures as you go. There's 24-7 support chat that's live. These are human beings. Um, so that if you do run into a problem and, you know, the web is complicated and you might want to do something you don't know how to do, or there may be functionality in Squarespace that you want to use, but you don't know where it is. 24-7 live chat. That's something they really are committed to um, to make it easier because as great as the tool is, uh, the web is still hard. It's only $8 a month. And if you buy an account for a year, you know, sign up for your year subscription, you get a free domain name. So jeffsburritoemporium.net, I don't know if that's available or not, but if I were building that website and I signed up for a year, I would get that included. I wouldn't have to go to a third party to register a domain. And some of them are super aggressive and super scammy. Um, and some of them uh, also run Super Bowl ads. But anyway, th this is the way to make a super easy and beautiful site. Like it's not going to look easy. Right. It's not going to look like something easy, like if you went did a, a dot blogspot account, like something like that, where, you know, people get, oh, that's what an easy, just sort of uh, bare minimum of effort. Well, if you do if you do bare minimum plus effort, just like a, a little bit more than bare minimum with Squarespace, you're going to get something that looks categorically better um, than what you're going to get anywhere else. So go to Squarespace 7. It's Squarespace 7 is their new feature set includes images and a bunch of commerce and a bunch of other types of things. Go squarespace.com seven to read about there. But if you go to sign up, you don't need a credit card and you can muck around with it. And if you decide it's not for you, don't do it. And you won't have to like remember to end your billing or anything like that. You can go and use the offer code riot, R-I-O-T, and it'll get you 10% off your first purchase. Shows the support for the podcast, gets you a little discount tells them you came from us so they'll keep buying these ads that you have to hear all the time to help you out build a website thanks so much to squarespace for sponsoring the show and here we go we need to toot our own horns for a minute yeah we do we got we got horn tooting I've, on the agenda I've got, it's a two-part yeah tooting today <laughs> um the first thing to shout out as we teased last week we're doing our first event book riot live yes which is november 7th and 8th in new york city uh there are full details about it now on the website and we'll drop the link to that announcement bookriot.com slash category slash podcast if you don't want to go find this show notes it's not an elegant url right now yeah we're going to clean that up but bookriot.com slash category slash podcast and you can find the information there yeah. And so the show notes will be there. You'll be able to click and find out. And there is a mailing list in the post that announces Book Riot Live where you can uh, sign up to get more information because the website that's like the subsite for Book Riot Live will be launching in a few weeks and ticket sales will be launching as well. And the first batch of tickets will be at a significant discount. Yeah, get, for get a good the, deal for our fans, for yeah, the hardcore early fans. Bird, hardcore Riot fans um, want to make that worth your while. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, and also just want to call your attention to a new series that our buddy Amanda Nelson, who's the managing editor of Book Riot, is writing with Swapna Krishna and Preeti Cheever, uh, who have been, all of them and all of us, have been talking about and writing about diversity for the last couple of years um, on Book Riot very pointedly. And we've noticed that we get the same comments and questions over and over and over. And um, sometimes it can be maddening and frustrating, but the commonality of those things sort of raised their spidey senses that there was something to do here. So Amanda Swapna and Preeti are doing an FAQ series where uh, in each post, the three of them will take one or two of the common questions or comments that we get about issues related to reading diversely and break down what they really mean by those things and why we think about them in the way that we do at Book Riot, why we think it's important, what we want readers to understand about it. And the first one in that series is live now talking about things like, isn't it racist if you pay attention to an author's race? Um, and they're, you know, I'm very proud of the work that they've done there. I think it's good, important work that they're doing in the series. And it's a thorough, thoughtful, uh, really well done first entry and something that, you know, as a reader, I'm looking forward to following. But as one of their colleagues just makes me really excited about uh, seeing it come out. 
Yeah, it's going to be a good series, and do we'll put the link in the show notes there. And it speaks for itself. I don't think we have much else to say about it other than yeah, go no, take a look at that. Yeah, they don't need any further explanation. Um, one thing we are going to talk about because this is you know we I, this is one of my favorite eh, favorites wrong, but I this is something even before doing book right I would have read an article like this, and this is the best selling books of 2014 mm-hmm. that Publishers Weekly put together per Nielsen's Book Scan, which. I think we've talked on the show before about the relative uses and drawbacks of BookScan. They say they capture about 80% of print book sales in the U.S., mm-hmm. which I, I guess is everything. I was doing the math, and I guess that's everything but Amazon, as far as I can tell, because I know Amazon doesn't report to that, or at least that's my understanding, is Amazon doesn't re- report to BookScan. Do you know? I don't know. Okay. I would be shocked if it, it was true that they did. Yeah, I'd be really surprised. They're so secretive with their numbers. Um, and Amazon, if I remember right, has something like 30%. How can that be? I thought they had about 30% of print book sales. Anyway, it's not the, the upshot is that BookScan isn't... The, it isn't the final word. Like this is right. actually the the whole thing. They say about eighty percent, which you know, classic business PR types. If I'd suggest that there's probably that's a fudging of some kind, but it's the best number we have. That's that's the thing to say. But there there are there are potential problems with it. Um, and Publishers Weekly released the top ten best selling titles in a variety of categories. You haven't looked at this. I have not. Um, so I saw the headlines. So I know the, headline. the number one. So I'm just going to tell you the categories we have, and you can tell me which one you're most interested in. There's top ten print, top mm-hmm. ten Amazon Kindle bestsellers. Okay. Uh, best selling f- adult fiction. All right. Okay. So the uh, top print covers all like all the categories all of the adult categories. and children. All and children's all that. Not, uh, but not nonfiction. But not okay. Uh, no, it does. Co- it does cover nonfiction. I'm oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. So it's everything. All and books. And then uh, Nielsen, the adult nonfiction top twenty. Okay. And then juvenile, uh, juvenile, which is children's yeah. young adult, uh, and that's it. So where do you? Which one do you? Should we start with the the best picture category, which yes, is overall let's, print? Let's start with best picture. Um, there is only there are no adult novels that were published in 2014 on the 2014 bestseller list. Okay. Zero. There is one adult fiction book mm-hmm. on the top 10 list. But it wasn't published in 2014. But it wasn't published in 2014. Can you, can you pick it out? You got to guess. Oh. <laughs> You're going to kill yourself. Kill no, strong. no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. Yeah. Okay, so it's not Fifty Shades of Grey because that time has passed. Mm-hmm. Um, Gone Girl? There it is right there. Really? Gone Girl, number seven. Okay. Uh, no, number seller. seven. Okay, that's best interesting. Uh, and that's and he, the only adult fiction only title? Adult f- uh, yeah, only adult fiction title um, on the list of the top 10 print bestsellers. Any guess on the number for Gone Girl? Oh, I'm terrible at that game. <laughs> that's why uh, it's fun. Yeah, it is. Okay, so this is the total number it sold in 2014? Print. 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 <sighs> And remember, it's eighty percent. So, right. whatever number you think it sells, deduct by twenty percent. You're gonna be bang on. Okay, all right. Uh, if, man, seven hundred and fifty thousand. That's a very good guess. That's a very good guess. It's nine six two seven nine seven. Okay. So just shy of a million copies for Gone okay. Girl. Okay, well, that's a good year for her. Good that job, seems Gillian. Like, I mean, the movie, right? I mean, yes, yeah. she, it's been selling well, but we also had a movie that a lot of right. people talked okay, about. And- and- that makes sense. And I did see the headline of this piece was about how The Fault in Our Stars was the number one. Okay, so there you know it's number one, but then you want to guess what its sales were. <sighs> and um, it's the trade paper for Fault right? of Our Stars, the number one overall seller. That's such a huge book. Okay, I think it was at least twice as no. many as Gone Girl. Yeah, you're right there. It's 1.8. Oh, okay, so pretty much twice as many. Yes, but... Okay. But number eight and nine on the list are also Fault in Our Stars, the movie oh. tie-in hardcover, the movie tie-in version, and the hardcover. I hate it that they do. I that. know, I know. You wish some human would think to rationalize the list and say Fault in Our Stars all. But I understand. I mean, whatever it is, they have different so ISBNs. Whatever. If you add in all the different yep. covers of the Fault in Our Stars, how many does Three it total? Three on the top ten, uh, uh-huh. and 
basically together the movie tie-in and the hardcover sold about as many as the trade paper. So we're looking at three and a half million Whoa. print copies of Fault in Our Stars so, in 2014. Like almost four times as much as Gone Girl. Just an enormous, enormous That number. is bonkers, man. It's, Never it's, underestimate the power the of the boy, YA audience. The green can sell. And we're going to continue on the way because I'll go through the rest of the list. Okay. Uh, Veronica Roth, all three of the Divergent series are on the top ten. <laughs> The ones that we can never keep in order. Divergent, Insurgent, and Allegiant, I think, are both the, are chronological, the chronological order and mm-hmm. the order in which they appear on the list. Divergent 3, Insurgent is 4, okay. and Allegiant is 6. So... It's all together, 1.4, 1.3, 1.1, 2.7, so about 3.8 million copies. So pretty close... In yeah. total as a series to what The Fault in Our Stars did by right, itself. Right, right. Okay. It's, it's, it's clustered more towards the middle. The number two selling book of the year, The Long Haul by Jeff Kinney. Oh, okay. The uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Kid guy. 1.5 million-ish. Bill O'Reilly's book, the, the lone nonfiction title is Bill O'Reilly's Killing Patton. This is also the lone 2014 title. Do you know um, if they're making a made-for-TV movie of that one? I know they did one for Kennedy. I, I would assume so. Yeah, one point, with... just short of one point two okay. million. Gone Girls, I said number seven and number ten. Rounding out the number ten is a is a is a middle grade novelization of Frozen. Oh, I remember from the... Disney. Seven hundred eighty-five thousand. Like when we did like the halftime show sometime yes. this summer, we saw that Frozen tie-in as well. So the story here is get your books adapted to movies. And then keep yes, selling books. Yes, because all of them, <laughs> except for the Jeff Kinney, right? Well, but he's had a movie already, so I mean, that's right. that's an asterisk by that, right? You know, it's uh, it's the 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 dog wags the tail of movies when it comes to top ten print bestsellers, at least. Uh, let's see. That's interesting. I want to go to Kindle. A... Oh, Kindle bestsellers, all categories, okay, um, all genres. So nonfiction, <laughs> YA. Nonfiction. And I don't what? have numbers here because of Amazon. So yeah, they can't capture yeah, it. Yeah, they don't have the numbers. They just How pulled they... this from Amazon. Okay. Source Amazon. They just looked at their list. So I wonder if that eighty percent at the top means <sighs> they, they can't do it. Eighty percent is what Bookscan has. The per- whatever percentage Bookscan has plus whatever percentage they know Amazon has. I don't know. I don't know. We're gonna okay. need, we're gonna need someone from Vox to do an explainer for us. About I mean, that. I think the Kindle ones are pretty close, but not identical. Like, I yeah, put, you're you're on the right track. Yeah. I would. I'm gonna put John Green and Gillian Flynn and all the Veronica Roths on the list. You're right. You're right. You're right. Not the children's stuff doesn't typically do the same. So also, I would kick out excellent work, Shinsky. It's off. Thank you. Uh, I'm gonna kick out Jeff Kinney and kick out Frozen. Very nicely done. I think I'm also going to kick out Bill O'Reilly. You're very well done. All right. So those are my eliminations. Yeah, I don't think you've missed anything. The Kinney's mm. gone. The O'Reilly's gone. Oh, and also, I don't know. It doesn't say because it gives it. Fault in Our Stars is number one, but it doesn't break mm-hmm. it out by movie tie-in or hardcover. I see. I, and then the Kindle list, it just says Fault in Our Stars. There's no parenthetical. So I don't know. I guess there's Our... only one Kindle edition. Yes. Right. Okay, right. that makes sense. Because yes. covers don't matter. The covers don't matter. Or um, they do matter. Who knows? But okay, so, that, so those, there's a bunch. So you basically have five get kicked out and you have five new ones. Are there so other Gone m- Girl bumps up to two. Okay. Divergent bumps up to three. Mm-hmm. And our first title we haven't seen before pops in at four. Is it based? Is it? Is there a movie for it? There is not. Okay. <sighs> when was it it's, published? It, in, it was not in 2014. It was adult not published novel. in 2014. And not in 2014. Yeah. Adult novel. Was it 2013 or is it older than that and getting a bump? Uh, nope, it's 2013. 2013. I've, you can see my battleship. I've given you enough coordinates to get a good <laughs> guess here. Now I'm just trying to remember what, what was the was... best-selling novel of last oh. year. Oh, The Goldfinch. There it is right there. Okay. Beautifully done. The Goldfinch, again, we don't have numbers. And then we have Insurgent Allegiant. Mm-hmm. And then this is where it gets really interesting. Seven, eight, and nine are all... New titles to us that were in our discussion here. Okay. We've got one YA and one nonfiction and two adult novels. Oh, these are tough. Man, I don't know what to even ask. For the nonfiction, um, remember rule number one: look to the movies. For the nonfiction. For the nonfiction. 
Um, something about Alan Turing, maybe? No, or... Unbroken, Laura, Laura oh, Hillenbrand. Okay. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. I was going to guess Stephen Hawking next. Yeah, so that's I was not bad. Off. That's not bad. Uh, um, the other three, I've got no, I've got no good uh, guides for you. Oh. Do you want any to of try? Them, uh, All ladies? Well, genre does really well on Kindle, so yeah. is one of them romance? Uh, you know, some of them I'm not even sure. Let me just tell you. One, okay. if, if I Stay by Gail Foreman is eight. Oh, that's YA. YA. Uh -huh. and There's the a movie two, of that. There's a movie oh, of that Oh, okay, one. great. And then there's, the other two are The Husband's Secret by Li uh, Leanne? Moriarty, Leanne Moriarty. And then number nine is Orphan Train by Christina Baker Klein. Oh. Do you know of those? I don't know them. Um, I've heard of The Husband's Secret because I think Leanne Moriarty had another book out yeah, she this did. year that That's I was right. looking right. at. Um, but I don't know what it's about. So Orphan Train by Christina Baker Klein. That's from Mor uh, Morrow. Is that? Uh, so I, don't I don't know, know anything that about is. that. So we'll, I will have to maybe look at that off the... It's either a super sad nonfiction story mm -hmm. or a super sad fiction story, <laughs> <laughs> is my guess based on the title. Also, now we'll transition there, and maybe this will be our last. The adult fiction top 20 in print. Adult fiction in print. Gone Girl 1. Okay. Uh, Orphan Train 3. Okay, so uh, it's Christina fiction. Baker Klein. Yeah, it's fiction. Uh, half a million print copies. So that that book sold big because Gone Girl, the trade paper of Gone Girl, sold just a shy of a million copies. Where were we on the Orphan Train? How do we? <sighs> I, I think that's commercial fiction. A blind okay. spot for me. Must yeah, admit. Yeah. Um, but that's, if only this were a year for Dan Brown, we'd be right about I, all the well, numbers. Hold on to your horses, because the Inferno well, clocks in at number eleven. Really the, good job, D. Brizzle. Uh, just below Fifty Shades, the Inferno sold. Okay. The Inferno sold three Show me print. Stephen King with mm, no whammies. There you go. This is good. Show me Stephen Stephen King, Mister Mercedes. Uh huh. Clocked in at three oh eight. Okay. Number thirteen. Um, that was the big one this year, right? Yeah. The liter the lit thick breakout hit of twenty fourteen. All the Light We Cannot See by Anthony mm. Doerr snuck in at number 20 with just shy of a quarter million in sales, which is da damn fine for us. Station Eleven. Not a, doesn't make the cut. Really? Doesn't make the cut. Okay. I'm surprised by that. Um, the Goldfinch. Oh, we've got Gone Girl at okay. four and six. Mass Market and Movie Tie-In. All right. John Grisham is number two with Grey Mountain at 619,000. Mm -hmm. Goldfinch, number five, just short of 500,000. So it continues to sell very Good well. Good job, Donna Tart. Let's see. Fifty Shades, I said, number 10. Mm-hmm. The Invention of Wings by Sumont Kid did very well this year. 300,000. That came out the first week of January last year, I remember. Didn't that get the Oprah bump? It did. Okay. Oprah bump. Mr. Mercedes, I said Shadow Spell by Nora Roberts is on here. 300,000. All right. That's the Edge of surprising. Eternity, the new Ken Follett. Or not, mm. is it new? Maybe, I can't remember. 300,000. The Best of Me, the Nicholas, Nicholas Sparks uh, movie tie-in. Okay. 287. Never Go Back by Lee Child. 281. Uh, number 18, Hope to Die by James Patterson. Number 19, 277. There are two books on here that are more than 50 years old on the what? top 20 fiction bestsellers. Okay, adult so fiction. functionally classics. Yeah. Um, okay, well, one of them has to be To Kill a Mockingbird. There it is. Book number sells seven. Four bajillion copies Still a year. Still selling every year. 383,000 copies in the year. Good job, Harper Lee. Man, oh man. <laughs> wow. You ever wonder, like, if Harper Lee could hop into it, could have hopped into a time machine 50 years ago and they could put her uh, here and be like, 50 years from now, your you're still going to be still selling. selling 384,000 copies a year. Um, I wonder how that money goes. Like, what's she doing? Anyway, that's a, you know. She's Scrooge McDucking on it, I obviously. Guess. It's very interesting. And so one more. One more classic. Classic. Dickens? Something Dickens? Uh, that's tough because a lot of those are in the public domain, so they're free. Oh, and so, they don't get, yeah. oh, so it right. can be in okay. public domain. That's another. So it's not so old that it's yeah. public domain. So it has to be like after 1923 in America. I'm going to go with either Hemingway or Fitzgerald. There you go, The Great Gatsby, number 16. Ah, uh, the movies again. Okay. That was 2013, but it still sells through, but I'm sure there was a, the, and it a was long like the, tail. The, well, did that come out at the end of 2013? It came out in the it was summer, summer, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so well, yeah, long tail, I guess. I remember uh, Liberty, um, Liberty Hardy at River Run Bookstore who writes for us telling me that like, it, not a day went by for like a year that someone – didn't come right. into the store asking for the Great Gatsby, um, and that still sells two hundred eighty-three million 
Uh, Two hundred eighty-three. That would be a, that would like, be a record. Two hundred eighty-three thousand. <laughs> okay, still. Um, we we can be done with the list. The one thing I okay. do want. The one thing I do want to point out that's interesting on from the YA list, which is dominated by Green and Roth. The number. The number. Let's see. The number three. No, wait. Let me look, make sure I get this right. Uh. Right. The number five best-selling adult novel would not make the YA top 20 because number 20 on the, the YA um, top 20 print is a frozen tie-in. Mm-hmm. Number 19 is a frozen tie-in. They both sold about a half million. Paper Towns by John Green sold 577 last year. Aren't they filming the movie of that right now? Yes, they are. Okay. Hard Luck by Jeff Kinney, 17 at 598. Another frozen tie-in at sixteen, so you, that's six hundred and three thousand. So you would just squeak in mm-hmm. to the top twenty. Um, four by Veronica Roth. That's her like spin-off novella about the Divergent series. Mm-hmm. Is fifteen. We have Minecraft. Two Minecraft books. Another frozen book. The Maze Runner, another John Green book in the top 10, Looking for Alaska. Which was his first book. That's but That was like 10 years yeah, old. Yeah, 738 is 10 years old this year. Another Frozen book, If I Stay by Gail Foreman. We mentioned that before. It sold 747,000 copies. A huge hit movie. That's, yeah, that is huge. And then the rest is Veronica Roth and John Green until we get Jeff <sighs> Well, Kenny. I mean, Young Adult is keeping publishing afloat. It's just remarkable. Uh, how many books are sold? The kids are, are all right. I don't know, and and maybe, all the adults that are reading young adult fiction. Are these also two Minecraft right. handbooks—they're young adult. Minecraft is—I mean, I mean, it's a huge—it's a video game. But why is it young yeah. adult? Well, it seems to me. I think they just chunk that in with kids and young yeah, adult under I, the I assumption guess it's that it's video. Games. You know, the assumption that most of the users and I, I guess Minecraft has data, maybe mm. about oh, and they're published by Scholastic. Yeah, so I, mean, I mean, yes, I understand how yeah. it's sort of categorized here, but video but the, games aren't necessarily anymore. Right. Yeah, juvenile. the content, right. The content's not necessarily for kids right. or young adults because anybody can play Minecraft. And I would assume that the demographics span age and gender and all sorts of categories. I mean, really, I, the books that we've talked about, especially was it two shows ago, we did our favorites or it yeah. books. I can't remember what order it was, but none of these we talked about, mm-hmm. right? Do we talk about any of these books? Not one, um, I don't think. I don't think so. Which, you know, I don't know what that means. Um, that I, we're old? Well, <laughs> well, I don't is Bill, Do you think Bill O'Reilly's audience is younger than ours or Stephen no. King's? No, that's true. We're... I mean, I yeah, guess thirty-something internet professionals. Well, we're book we're book nerds, right? Yeah, that too. That's not these aren't book nerd lists. This is what the mass market. This is what mm-hmm. the big selling books are. When Bill O'Reilly, that's a great example of what having a giant TV yeah. audience will do for your book sales. It's the in, in the same way that like Rush Limbaugh was. I remember seeing a, a headline that he was the author of one of the best-selling children's books of. Last year, mm-hmm. you know, Oprah drove sales by recommending books that other people in his wrote, own imprint but, and own distribution right. networks and just the whole, you know, own, own, own all the yeah. way down. Um, so I don't know. I mean, that's it's interesting. That's what the people are reading. Mm-hmm. And I think it's we're not the people when it comes to, to books. That's not, you know, we don't right. cover the the biggest selling books. Um, we cover what we like and we've read some of these. Mm-hmm. And in fact, uh, I guess that's, you know, that's a good question. How many of the... Re- I've read The Goldfinch, I've read All the Roth, and I've okay. read Fault in Our Stars. I'm clicking on the thing now so I can look at yeah. the list. Uh, I read The Fault in Our Stars. I read Gone Girl. I've seen Frozen. Mm, yeah, read, okay, that probably counts. <laughs> Does that count? I read The Goldfinch. Well, if you read Fault in Our Stars and The Roth Trilogy, which I have, that that gives me six out of the ten. Yeah, I've not read The Roth Trilogy, so I've got one, two. Yeah. I've read two of... Two of those top ten print, and then I also read Goldfinch, mm-hmm. which gives me three of the top ten Kindle bestsellers. I've read much more of the Kindle bestsellers. Faulkner started Gone Girl, One, the, the Roth, Goldfinch, yeah. and I want to read. it. Did you ever read Unbroken? Yeah, I have the audio book of uh, it right now. I haven't started it yet. That's a no, yet. by the way. That's a no. Yes. Okay. I'm just. I don't know why that was important <laughs> for me to say. <laughs> well, do you, did you read it? Do you want your cookie? No, I just want to know if it's good. <laughs> I mean, I'm I've sure it's, it's good. I mean, the billion yeah, plus people have read because this. When did that come out? Couple it's been years several back. years. I mean, yeah, it's a movie I, I, would, I think it was like 2012. Mm, yeah. 
Um, She's interesting. Did you? There's a nice long profile for her in the Times. Did there you read was. That? She. I read most of the profile, not all yeah. of it, since we're right. now yeah, calculating. Yeah, so sort, of, sort of pedantically accurate. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I apologize. About I'll just that. if you'll hold on, I'll send you my reading spreadsheet yeah, at the I know. end of the and show. You're going to need to give me daily updates about which page you are on. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to need to check this. You know what's interesting is Wild didn't to me. Well, that's where I was going to go next in terms of surprises. that are. I thought Wild might. I mean, I guess it's the problem there is it's nonfiction, right? Right. But so is Unbroken. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I'm just saying that like Unbroken has broken through to a mat. Like it's on the table at Costco and has been for like two years. But Cheryl Strayed was on Oprah and there's a movie with Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, I I know. I'm just saying like to crack the nonfiction list, you've Mm got to sell so like that's that's the other thing. The nonfiction list um, to be on it, you've got to do at least 260, which was hard choices. Did 260. Um Oh, Wild clocked in number 13 on the nonfiction list. Okay, and that's it, good. At 337. So it's in the mix. It's in the mix. We didn't talk about the nonfiction list. Oh, God. Heaven is for real. A couple of them. Oh, now I'm looking at it. Yay, Amy Poehler. That's yep. happy. She's at 15. 15. You know uh, what's not on here? What? Um, it got a huge advance. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, Lena Dunham. Not that kind of girl. Not yeah. on here. Interesting. Also, huge advance, BJ Novak's One More Thing came out in 2014. Mm-hmm. Nowhere to be seen. Not on the fiction list. You know, not super surprising that a book of short stories and basically essays doesn't make the... Uh, yes. I'd be significantly more surprised if it did, but you're right. We got huge a huge advance, advance right? It didn't it? Was uh, the Kaling it, new this year? No, Mindy Kaling was a couple Last years ago. Year, okay. 2013, right. I think. Uh, oh, so interesting on this nonfiction list is What If by Randall Monroe. Yes, which he came out cre- late last year, by yeah, the way. He's the guy behind XKCD, uh-huh. and which, you know, webcomic. Um, and they sent me a copy because they were sponsoring some stuff on the website. But it's great. It's a lot of fun. He takes, like, absurd questions that people have about physics and science and then comes up with the actual ridiculous but logical answers mm-hmm. to them. It's wonderful. I was browsing um, around. I don't remember what I was doing, but I was. I've, I ended up on Amazon's bestseller list for print at the end of last – it was in December, and that was number three – for that mm-hmm. week. So I think that that's one that you're going to see some 2015 yeah. sell through. And they're doing a lot of advertising of for it. It looks like, uh, yeah, well, they spent uh, some oh, with us. I have to number say. 11 on the nonfiction list is the five love. Oh, languages. we talked about, did we talk about this on the show or offline? Mm-hmm. I can't remember. We must've talked about it offline. Yeah. But, must like have. that book's been out forever. It, it got a, someone linked to it or something. Cause it's, it's burbled up and this is where you care about when, gifts and I care about time or whatever. That's and, the thing. Yeah. And I wonder if, um, I wonder if it's just always on the list. Mm. Like, I don't remember looking oh, at maybe it is. last know. year, but it was, I mean, I think I was a kid when mm. it came out because I can remember like people at the church I grew up in reading it in some kind of book club or there being something about like, you know, understanding people's love languages and then, right. And it's, you know, like this person expresses love and receives love by getting gifts and this other person expresses mm-hmm. love and receives love by physical affection or by verbal you know shows of appreciation and it's supposed to help you understand right how your partner works or how your friend works and they've adapted it like the five languages of the workplace oh the, they chicken souped it yeah they oh they mm. chicken souped the crap out of it there are so many spin-offs yeah um but it's interesting i bet it just sits there like yeah it must just sit there People sort of understand in the culture, or maybe it's like my nerdy circle of the culture, like what you're referring to when you're like, oh, well, his lo- like <laughs> Amanda jokes that my spiritual gift is making roast chickens, but mm. like it might actually be my love language. <laughs> like, no, I chickens. care for you and I made you this chicken. <laughs> your your uh, universally acceptable currency is uh, exactly. poultry. It's, yeah. Right. It's a roasted poultry. Okay. Um, so I think that's kind of it. Uh, you know, uh, <sighs> We jumped way uh, down the I haven't the mentioned a uh, person of color. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, there's. No I'm looking now to see if there's even... find one that I know of. Some of these yeah. authors I don't know. Like it could be for all I know that uh, what's her name who wrote the Orphan Train, whatever, Christine something, is um, yeah isn't white. I don't. But, uh, right. <laughs> Publishing mm-hmm. doesn't have a diversity problem. We Jeff. have more people named Brown than are Brown. On this list, Daniel Brown for Boys in the Boat and Dan Brown for the Inferno. So, 
I mean, there's that. Uh, you, you don't love, I don't think, the weakness of the new. We, we sort of talked about this in the last show that there wasn't really a breakout novel hit. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the big books that people in our circles, you know, Bad Feminist, you mentioned Station Eleven, The yeah. Martian, like even things we know a lot of people read. Um, we need to, you know, someday when we're rich and famous, we're going to get a book scan subscription because we've got to know these things. This is infuriating. <laughs> and it's so expensive. It's like three grand a year. We've talked now. about this before. Uh, that's like, it might as well be, we might as well buy ourselves Ferraris. Book I'd scan? rather have a book scan subscription than a Ferrari. They should sponsor the show and give us free access. Now you're talking. That That is what I like to hear right there. Because <laughs> like, just... I want to know how much the Martian sold. Was it like 50000 And I'm just, yeah. we're untamed state or the Station right, 11. Right. I mean, these I are the books that we like, talked about. fall into BookScan and never come it's out. It's probably, we've said this before, it's probably good we don't have it. Probably so. Because we'd have to do like a 12-part yeah. I mean, standalone podcast on just like BookScan numbers. <laughs> if we which start, no one it would just, wants to hear. We would have the Methodology Corner spinoff. Yeah, it, which yeah, you know, wouldn't be the worst thing. Yeah, uh, okay. Well, that's maybe, probably enough of that. Yeah, isn't that's it? plenty we of. Lot, we, boy, oh boy, man, we're we running way late. down yeah. that one. I'm uh, interested in what that list is going to look like at the end yep. of 2015 because we do have the Franzen and the Tony Morrison, Morrison and there's there no, a new, Ishiguro. Right, and a new Margaret Atwood. But are these just like, our book? I mean, those are going to even have a the chance. Fran- uh, Jonathan Franzen tends to be breakout. Oh, in, that'll you know, be interesting to big see. Big fiction sales on the level of like a Donna Tartt big fiction. So half a million to a yeah. million in I, sales. Yeah. Uh, Where do you want to go next? Than, I don't know. There's a lot There's to so do. so many here. things. I don't want to do, we have overdrive usage stats. Maybe we'll save that for next week. Mm-hmm. I guess... Let's uh, save the bitlet good, stats, too. Do you want to save that? Okay, I was going to go there next, but oh, that's okay. okay. Well, yeah, no, we can go there. It's pretty oh, quick. Oh, right, I'll be out next week, so You'll let's talk about week. the things. Keep, there's some stuff that uh, Mans will be on with me next week, and there's some good stuff. You're yeah. more interested in this than she is, yes, maybe. Yeah, let's but, do yeah. numbers, man. So this is um, bitlet. They gave us some numbers from about their readership, and there were three bullet points, all of which I thought were really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, they 12 mentions they just they launched the app, and they've got three main takeaways. Um Oh, and maybe for the people who don't know what BitLit oh, sorry, is, if they haven't it, heard us it. talk about it, it's an app slash service where uh, they are they provide bundling of ebooks for the print books that you. There's stuff flying off my desk now. I'm so excited mm-hmm. um, for the stuff that you already own. So it, you take a picture of your signature on the title page of a book, and if they have that book in their library because they got like licensing from the publisher, they'll send you a free or discounted edition of that ebook. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's all kinds of stuff there. So three, they have three bullet takeaways. I thought all of them were interesting. Readers like the idea of retroactive bundling over point of purchase. Mm-hmm. So that means once they've already bought the print book, they come back later rather than at the time of buying the book. Interesting. Interesting. And are more likely to bundle a backlist book than a frontlist one. I've got caveats to all these, but I'm just going to get the bullet points out first. Okay. So that means something that's been out for, I don't even know, front list is, does, when does a frontlist technically end? When the paperback comes out, is that right? Okay, that's well, uh, that's my. And, but but if it's only if definition. it's only paperback, then like a year later. A year, yeah. Okay. So that's the general parameter. Yeah. Um, one in seven people will pay an extra twenty percent of the digital list price in addition to the print price in order to receive both formats. Hmm. Okay. One in, one in okay. seven. Yeah. Will pay an extra. I have 20%. questions too, but let's get yep. these bullets out. And three, while men men and women are equally interested in bundling. Men are two times more likely to pay for a bundled ebook, while women prefer to get their content for free. Huh? Very interesting. All along. So caveats, caveats to the to the whole thing, and then maybe individually is Bitlip's new, Bitlip's new, and as a new tech thing, we're an early adopter stage. Mm-hmm. So early adopters do different things differently than the the mass market. So if this ever gets to be a big deal, I'd imagine these numbers will change. Who knows in what direction? Second. Um, BitLip has done a great job. I think it's a nice service. They don't have a lot of mainstream books on there. A lot yeah, of small we... presses, independent presses. I don't know they have any big five publishers. I don't know. I don't think that they do. And do we know how many users they have? I, I mean, we're assuming that it's relatively it small because they're new. It doesn't but say. I shouldn't say they don't have the any. They don't have major like hundreds of title support from for a major publisher. Because I know, for example, right. Nosferatu by Joe Hill was available. Mm-hmm. I think he went out of his way to make that happen. Yeah. Um, but so, you know, this is also a certain kind of title spread. 
that's not indicative of the right, sort of yeah, larger I'm, book market. I'm wondering about that specifically with the first bullet point that talks about readers liking the idea of retroactive bundling. Right. Um, How many and, front lists are even available right, right now? Right, and preferring backlist over front list. Like if the front list that they've got is front list, but it's from unknown publishers or unknown authors, then but their backlist availability is some bigger titles, then of course people are more likely to go for the backlist. And like, does like the idea of it mean that you ask them that and they like it? Or does like the idea of it mean that they've bundled more from the backlist? Yeah. Like tricky. It's oh, so many questions, confounding factors. Right. So 20%, an extra 20% of the digital list price in addition to the print price in order to receive both formats. It's a little confusing. Yeah. Like one in seven people will pay that. And so six and seven won't is <laughs> maybe the more interesting stuff yeah, for what's me. Like, I guess I want to know what the question was right? Like, or what, like, was or it? Or maybe it's could, not a question. Maybe it's just behavior. Like what right, people was actually it, right. did. Yeah. Mm. Um, what if it were 10%? What if it were 30% extra? The men and women thing is interesting though. I don't know what to make of it necessarily. Um, two men are two times more likely to pay for a bundled ebook while women prefer to get their mm -hmm. content for free. And, it I don't know like, why you need that while, just when it period. Says like men and women are equally interested in bundling. Does that just mean that BitLit has an equal number of men and women users? Yeah, because it doesn't say – they don't say they bundle equally. They're just interested in it equally. Yeah. Which I don't know what the, the men parameter Men are two for. times more likely to pay for a bundled ebook. Women prefer to get their content for free. Mm. So mm. anyway, that's all interesting. We didn't know any of that. Um yeah. So, the, yeah. I mean, we're getting some stats about bundling and you and I are both interested in that. So. Yes. All right. More God, context would be delightful, boy, uh, but I'm interested. Do we need to... Uh, we should probably do our next sponsor. I was going to say, we're already we're already <laughs> 45 minutes into the show. We better do another sponsor. Uh, our next sponsor for this show is Near Enemy by Adam Sternberg. It's the second book in his Spademan series. The first one is Shovel Ready. Um, these are set in a future New York. This is like kind of dystopian speculative fiction. Spademan, before the end of things, which was a dirty bomb that decimated several years ago, before that, he was a garbage man, and now he is uh, a hitman who works mostly by killing people with a box cutter, but also carries a gun, you know, like usual. And in this future New York, um, the people who are wealthy enough to do it stay inside in their well-protected, like, fortress-y homes, and they tap in to a complex virtual reality system that's run by, like, drugging yourself and then tapping into uh, this other... Mm like other realm basically that's all virtual reality um, and the people who are who can't afford that like Spaceman, are struggling on the streets to survive um, in the first book he's hired to go after the daughter of an unsavory and very popular evangelist that uh, when I read it I pictured as like an evil younger Pat Robertson <laughs> um, and in the new book um, he is out to snuff a guy who taps in and lurks in other people's fantasies. Mm. Uh, I think these are so fun. The voice is really hard-boiled. Um, Lauren Bucus, who wrote uh, Broken Monsters and The Shining Girls, called the books sharp as a paper cut. Um, this future New York is gritty. The characters are fun to be around. Um, I just thought there was, you know, some some swagger in the voice. Spaceman is an interesting character that sort of feels familiar in that gritty, hard-boiled hitman story way but also wholly new mm. um i think these are a lot of fun so i'm glad to have them sponsoring the show i really enjoyed the books um again the first one was shovel ready near enemy is the second book it has just come out so it's available um wherever books are sold it's a nice genre mashup and uh, if sternberg's name sounds familiar to you it's because he's a writer for new york magazine he's active on twitter good good at, writer yeah he's a good writer uh on at, at sternberg s-t-e-r-n-b-e-r-g-h and uh you can also watch book riot for an exclusive new short story about spade man that he is writing cool for us great check that out yeah um, so thanks to them for sponsoring the show we, you want to tell me about some new books oh already new mm, books i huh? know yeah i think so man we're going so fast. Well, it's, we're 50 minutes in. What do you want me to do? You want to talk about something else? I want to talk about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Okay, Abdul all right. Let's do, okay, let's do that. I am not going to rest until okay, we talk about right, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. All right, all right, all right. We, our agenda for this show is super long, and there were We've tons. We've got to nothing. 
Right. We did get to nothing. We got lost in the, yeah. you know, swamp of stats and mm-hmm. the rodents of unusual size. Um, but there were a ton of little interesting stories this week. And so I'm not going to discuss it, but Idris Elba is developing a thriller trilogy of movies I about Edgar Allan Poe, which I'm very excited about. But I am even more excited about the fact that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has written uh, a Mycroft Holmes novel, which is who is Sherlock Holmes's brother. So basically, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has written Sherlock Holmes fan fiction, and it is getting published. Yeah, by Titan Books in the fall. By a real publisher. Yeah, he's an interesting guy, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Smart and he's he's written several other books. I saw him on Celebrity Jeopardy. He was awesome on that. Very, very interesting guy. Um, when and there was like, the latest flare-up of like YA is bad for us, mm-hmm. he wrote a really nice response. Um, I yeah, think good, for, thoughtful writer. For, for a California newspaper, the, which one escapes when, me at the like, moment? You don't write a book about Mycroft Holmes because you're not a book nerd. No, no, not <laughs> at all. And I, I mean, it is a little bit surprising that he's doing this particular. He's written other books before. So I think if you had given me a draft of you said, an athlete is writing a Sherlock Holmes fan fiction novel, who is it? I might have picked Kareem one. Really? Well, who? I mean, he's uh, again. I follow basketball. This is, yeah, I was gonna say I don't know who else I would. Pick, so I don't know who else it would be, but um, he definitely is. You know, one of the the more book nerdy of the sort of all time great yeah. living uh, professional athletes. I think this is fun and surprising in the way that the Murakami advice column is yes. fun and surprising. Yes, I'm gonna read we this. About last week. I'm totally gonna, gonna read, read this. this. Yeah, he he's an interesting guy, and uh, Minecraft is also Minecraft is also super interesting as well. This uh, just a good makes character. me. This is one of those moments that I was like, oh, I love publishing mm-hmm. and I love book nerds and <laughs> just people who are unapologetically into the thing they're into. Because, you know, this begins with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, like reading a whole lot of Sherlock Holmes and like maybe kicking back and watching Cumberbatch on Netflix and being like, you know, what about Mycroft? Yeah, he actually it says in here that he um, he became interested in Sherlock Holmes, reading Sherlock Holmes during his rookie year as a player which would have been, I think, in the late, the mid to late 60s, if my mm-hmm. timeline is right. And that later he read uh, something called Enter the Lion, a posthumous memoir of Mycroft Holmes, which I think is nonfiction. Um, and so ever since then, he's been, he's been interested in the character, um, the older, smarter yeah. kind of person um, in the government. So, I mean... That's that's a great that's a very interesting story. <laughs> stoked. I am so stoked. Good job, Kareem. Abdul-Jabbar. Good job, Kareem. So that's coming this I fall. I just think that's so much fun. Okay, new books. New books. All Wasn't right. Quite... Are you all right? Are we ready? You okay? Yeah, I guess I'm okay, ready. All right. I mean, it's fine. All right. <laughs> it wasn't quite as crazy of a week for book releases no, this time around no, it as it was last week. Uh, we're just kind of solidly in January. Uh, first big release, and it is getting lots of buzz. The folks at Riverhead are working hard on this one, is The Girl on the Train by mm. Paula Hawkins, uh, which I read over the weekend. Really interesting. It's um, rotating chapters from three female narrators. Um, The primary one is named Rachel. She is an alcoholic who has lost her job. And uh, one night takes the train. She lives near London and she takes the train uh, to the little village where her ex-husband lives with his new wife and finds herself the witness, she thinks, or somehow involved uh, in the disappearance of uh, another woman who lives in that town that every day Rachel is taking the train from her from her normal city into London. And as the train stops by this little town, she sees this woman and her husband like every day standing out on their deck. Um, and they look perfect and happy. And she imagines what their names are and she imagines their lives and sort of you know, is a little bit minorly obsessed with them. And when the woman disappears, Rachel realizes that in one of her drunken stupors, she has taken the train to town to see the ex-husband and might have been somehow involved in this other woman's Mm. disappearance. We also get chapters from the disappeared woman's voice and from a third woman uh, who is involved in the story. There are lots of twists and turns, uh, lots of good, unreliable narrator stuff, because um, Rachel, in her alcoholic stupors, doesn't remember things. She blacks out and then tries to put the pieces together of of what has happened. And uh, it was a really compelling Mm. read. It was a page-turner, good tension. um, And I enjoyed it. So if you're looking for a good thriller on a, you know, suspenseful thriller type story on a Sunday afternoon, 
I say go for it. Uh, the other big one of the week is The Unquiet Dead by Ozma Zehanat Khan. And Amanda really liked this one. Mm. Um, I have not read it yet. But also, uh, it's kind of a mystery detective story. Um, but it's uh, Detective Rachel Getty, who trusts her boss implicitly, but she is uneasy at uh, the tight-lipped secrecy when her boss asks her to look into the death of someone named Christopher Drayton. He apparently had an accidental fall f- from a cliff um, that the police don't seem to think warrants investigation. Uh, but she learns that he may have actually been living under an assumed name, and she begins to understand why the people who are investigating are actually tiptoeing around the case. And it comes to light um, that Christopher Drayton might have been a war criminal Mm. with ties to the uh, Sabrenica massacre of 1995, um, which I don't know what that is. Um, And it doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound good, um, but actual historical things. You've got a new suspense thriller Mm -hmm. set in the moment of a real historical event. Um, Amanda said, I think on Twitter, that she had not heard of this either, but learned a whole lot about that moment in history while reading the book, but also just thought the story was really fantastic. Um, And I trust Amanda's spidey senses. So Mm -hmm. this one's on my list now. Again, it's called The Unquiet Dead, and it's a debut novel. So those are the two biggies. I've got one more. Can I have one more? Of course. I I mean, I guess so. (laughs) I, I don't usually chime in, but this one, I don't know why... I like this sort of – I like science-y nonfiction. Mm-hmm. And this one is called The Neutrino Hunters, uh, The Thrilling Chase for a Ghostly Particle to Unlock the Secrets of the Universe by Ray – oh, dear. Uh, Jay Hawardadana. I'm just going to take a shot. Um, that sounds really it's, interesting. It's about, it's about an 80-year quest of, of scientists around the gro- globe to look for – one of these small elements of matters called neutrinos. Like trillions, literally trillions of them pass through your body every second. That's how small they are. Oh, wow. Um, and it's about antimatter and science and funding. Uh, and I'm really in, you know, a giant Olympic-sized pool deep underground <gasps> and ice just to get a couple of them to trap. You know, like mm-hmm. it's all this weird stuff you have to do when you're at the outer limit of scientific inquiry. Um, so anyway, and I, and I also like sort of this, this, the ineluctable pieces of science. It's either of the very small or the very large of astrophysics yeah. and particle physics. So I want to watch a late night science channel yeah, documentary about, about so that. Li- I don't know if it's on audiobook. It's from Scientific American. So I'm going to check it out. If it is, I'm listening to that one. But that's that one that great. I was super excited to uh, look at. So, yeah, that sounds awesome. The one, so the one thing I forgot to mention in the show that we didn't get to for stats that I think we should just mention oh. is that Kickstarter put out their stats last year. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah. publishing projects raised $22 million on Kickstarter, making it one of the top three categories mm-hmm. for all Kickstarter projects last Which year. Which I think is remarkable. Yeah. That I don't know about the, the number, but the where it ranks. Yeah, that of all the different kinds of things people are doing on Kickstarter, book-related stuff is in the top three that people support. And the first two, I think, are like hardware and design or something. Yeah. I can't remember what it was. A little more techie. Yeah, yeah. And more expensive, frankly, to mm-hmm. like you have to build like a lamp or a, you know, a some right. digital device takes a lot more money. So I'm guessing there were also a lot more smaller campaigns for publishing. That's true. Rather than, you know, a couple that did yeah, a that, whole bunch. I would guess that $22 million was spread out over a mm-hmm. bunch of small campaigns rather than just a handful of big, successful ones. But then again, there was the, like, $6 million oh, reading, Rainbow. reading Rainbow one and... Um, we need diverse books. We need diverse which was books. Had a really big campaign, like so that. Yeah. that you know those two. Maybe were, that's right. Maybe you're right. Those Maybe were big players. That. We better just call that a show before I keep shoehorning extra yeah, things. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we'll call that a show. As always, you can find show notes for this show, all the articles we talked about. Bookriot.com/slash/podcast. If you have feedback for the show, questions, comments, things you'd like us to talk about, whatever, um, you can email us at podcast at bookriot.com. Go check out the page for information about Book Riot Live. We're going to have, it's going to have 1,500 attendees, a two-day event, November 7th and 8th, uh, here in New York City in Manhattan at the Metropolitan West. The first round of discounted tickets will go on sale in about a month or so. And you can sign up for the email, so you, you get the email right away, so you can jump on one of those cheap tickets if you want one. Um, 
bookriot.com slash category slash podcast. We're going to clean up that URL so it's easier to remember or in the future. Or is it slash bookriot live? I don't think that goes anywhere. Oh, no? Okay, I don't never mind. Yeah. I'm making it up. Yeah. And then uh, you can get to me on Twitter at the Jeff O'Neill, O-N-E-L. Uh, you can get to her on Twitter at Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Or you can always find us uh, haunting the Book Riot Twitter account, which is at Book Riot. Uh, and I think that's our show. Thanks so much to Near Enemy by Adam Sternberg and Squarespace for sponsoring the show. Amanda will be back with me next week. You'll be on vacation. I will be. Have a wonderful uh, vacation hunting for neutrinos up in Antarctica. I, I wish you all the best for finding one. Up in Antarctica? That's the part you're objecting to, not that you're going to be hunting for neutrinos? I think hunting for neutrinos sounds like a fine way to spend a vacation. Well, which way are you facing right now? Is it, then it means that's how you can tell if it's <laughs> up or down. Oh, Jeff. All right, we'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs> Have a good one. <laughs>